Let's pray as we begin. Loving Father, we just again want to turn to you for uh, your spirit to be here, to guide and direct our thoughts, to lead us in your path of righteousness, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'd like to begin with a little summary of what we have uh, covered uh, so far in our first presentation. We wanted to cast a vision for company evangelism. And we read this statement, when the cities are worked as God would have them. And there's the qualifying statement, as God would have them. The result will be setting in operation a mighty movement such as we have not yet witnessed. And that was written back in uh, about 100 years ago. Have we seen that mighty movement yet? No. It is still to come. And we believe that God is moving us in the direction of that mighty movement. And uh, another statement we'd like to share, we talked about sharing in Christ's methods. And uh, we found that the call porter work must be connected to the medical missionary work. So these books, with these books, humble, faithful men, are to go out as call porters, evangelists, bearing the truth to those who would otherwise never be enlightened. Those who take up this line of work are to go prepared to do medical missionary work. The sick and suffering are to be helped. As in Testimonies, Volume 9, page 33. And so, with that as kind of a, a uh, overview of our last presentation, that, that we must be working together as a team. In fact, a gentleman came up to me afterwards and uh, a few minutes ago, and he said, you know, an illustration of what you just are presenting um, came to his mind, and he shared that. He said, it's like a gearbox with all the different gears working together. When they are engaged, then the vehicle can go forward, right? But when those gears are not engaged, they can be turning, they can be working hard, but guess what's going to happen to the vehicle? It's not going to go anywhere. Uh, excellent illustration. We can all be doing our individual, separate individual ministries, but until we are engaged with each other, working together as a team, then the work, the message is going to go quickly forward. We're going to show a video again that uh, illustrates this. If Jesus was walking the earth today, how would he reach the people? As Seventh-day Adventists, we have a unique history that speaks to this. In 1910, D.H. Ellen White wrote the following. During the night of February 27, 1910, a representation was given me in which the unworked cities were presented before me as a living reality. For months, the situation has been impressed upon my mind, and I urge that companies be organized and diligently trained to labor in our important cities. In that same year, a man by the name of John Tyndall was commissioned to pioneer this work. With the formation of these evangelistic companies, teams of Adventists ministered to the practical needs of the people, both publicly and in their homes. Those companies were teams of pastors, physicians, nurses, 
cooks, literature evangelists, Bible workers, and church members. In love, they taught health principles, cooking skills, and simple rational treatments, among other things, all alongside evangelistic efforts. As a result, hundreds committed their lives to the Lord in baptism. Over many years, it was found that the retention rate was an astounding 75 to 90 percent. But sadly, over time, the directive given by the Lord's messenger was lost sight of and nearly forgotten. Fast forwarding to 2014, a group of six young people traveled to a small town in Hayden, Idaho to revive the work of John Tyndall. Not knowing how their needs would be supplied, they spent an intense seven weeks of service pouring out their hearts to 24 patients. The work was centered around the patient needs, whether it was teaching healthy cooking, helping them shop for food, or opening the word of God. Not only were the hearts of these patients touched, but 25% of them committed to keeping the Sabbath. If such results could be seen in two months with six young people, what kind of outcomes would be seen in two years with 20 young people? Friends, this is our vision. In Tyndall's footsteps, we seek to trailblaze this lost ministry again. The diseases, heartaches, and spiritual longings we will meet in Spokane are but a sampling of the needs in thousands of other cities. We want to revive a method of comprehensive health evangelism that will be reproducible. The pen of inspiration tells us, It will be seen that the glory shining in the face of Jesus is the glory of self-sacrificing love. This is our motive. This is our vision. So would you consider joining us in reviving Christ's method of evangelism? We want this to go to the whole world. We want people to realize that if we minister as Jesus ministered, that he would bless. It's Christ's method of evangelism. This is the direction that Pastor Cablano and I have chosen to follow. And it is a direction that requires tremendous sacrifice for the people particularly that are going to work with us. These young people have tremendous fortitude spiritually. They have tremendous sacrifice that they give. And as a result, they have seen souls. So I would like to read this this uh, passage again from Medical Ministry, page 304. There is no change in the messages that God has sent in the past. The work in the cities is the essential work for this time. When the cities are worked as God would have them, the result will be setting in operation of a mighty movement such as we have not yet witnessed. God calls for self-sacrificing men converted to the truth to let their light shine forth in clear, distinct rays. As God would have them equals Christ's method alone. 
You see, when we put this together, we say that Christ, if we just if we will simply be obedient to Christ's method alone, then we will see setting in operation a movement as we have not yet witnessed. Many of you are gospel workers. If you are not gospel workers, then you may support gospel workers. Your Bible workers, maybe literature evangelists, maybe both. You're, you've been faithful to your call all of your life. And you were working for the soon coming of the Savior. Wouldn't you like to see that work to be done? That is that mighty movement that we had not yet seen? Your devotion to God to be paid off the way God would have you paid off with the glory of souls in the kingdom as a result of your work. So I'd like to share with you a, a statement, a bold statement. Dr. Turquato and I have shared numerous places. Um, and here it is. The medical missionary work must be combined with the gospel work before the latter rain will fall. Now we know that the latter rain will fall before Jesus comes, right? And before the latter rain will fall, the medical missionary work and the gospel work must become one work. We're going to defend that to you. Okay? Um, they must be combined in the way that Jesus combined them. We need to pray. We need to do all kinds of things. But until this one essential ingredient is put in place, we will remain on this earth and our work will be without the power of the latter rain. The gospel work alone by itself is not enough. It must be combined with the medical work before the latter rain will fall. And that involves literature work as well, encompasses. So here's an example why the two components must be combined. In the book, Medical Ministry, page 241, my brethren, the Lord calls for unity. For what? Unity for oneness. Not divided, not separate, not doing our own thing for oneness. We are to be one in faith. I want to tell you that when the gospel ministers and the medical missionary workers are not united, there is placed on our churches what? The worst evil that can be placed there. Our medical missionaries ought to be interested in the work of our conferences and our conference workers ought to be as much interested in the work of our medical missionaries. Do you want to comment on that? Have you had churches where the pastors were intimidated by their physicians? 
Have you had hospitals where the local pastor was not invited because he was interested in the whole work? Have you found places where pastors were run out of town by boards that were run by those physicians? The worst evil is disunity, division. Think about the first evil. I will ascend above the stars. I will place my throne. I, I, I. Not I will share, but I will be. And not only, I mean, that's, that's a big part of it. Another part of it is, and we are not really addressing that issue in this presentation. Another issue, though, is that without the combined work, guess what? We do not have the true gospel. Yeah. Ellen White makes that very clear. I can share with you uh, those statements. That in order to have the true interpretation of the gospel, you have to have the medical work combined with that gospel work. <clears throat> and so if we're going to share the gospel to the world, if it's the three angels' messages that's got to go to the world, it's got to be combined. Christ's method alone will give us true success. And Jesus combined it. It was combined in him. And when you talk about the worst evil... Think about this. The form of religion without the power thereof. A fake. The worst of evils. And we speak about this actually in other presentations. And if you'd like to send an email to amedicalministry at gmail.com, you can download all of the presentations that talk about this specific area because it's a little off of our presentation today. But it is very essential. And you will find that without this combination, the people of God will not develop the character of Jesus. And that's what we really want to focus on in this presentation. You see, medical missionary work encompasses the spirit of self-sacrifice in the heart of those who serve God. And thus, it demonstrates the self-sacrificial character of Jesus. Now, this is demonstrated in a variety of ways. And it's often in the realm of health, because it is often that's where the need is evident. But it's also demonstrated any way that we relieve suffering, give encouragement, or inspire hope. Now... Isn't that what you do as literature evangelists when you leave literature in a home? That you relieve suffering, give courage, or inspire hope through the words, the printed word that's left? Combine what you do as gospel workers and literature evangelists with the sacrificial medical missionary work, and you have reproduced the character of Christ. Until this type of character is reproduced in Christ's people, the latter rain will not fall. You see, company evangelism that we talked about in our last session is medical ministry. It's medical ministry combined with gospel work, including literature evangelism. 
It's a, the very work calculated to develop in God's people the character of Jesus because it requires self-sacrificing love. You've got to get out of yourself and put yourself into the needs of the people in the city. And if you live in the city, you know what the people in the city, their needs are. They are astronomical. Most of them are there in need because of their own choices. Many of them there are in need because of uncontrollable circumstances. No matter what it is, they are, they are people. They are God's children in great need. And it requires God's people, you and me, to have a self-sacrificing character of Christ to be able to reach them. And so what we're doing here in these presentations with uh, Dr. Turquato and myself sharing back and forth, what we're trying to do is illustrate to you in a practical way this combined ministry. Okay? So that you can see that we're, we're a team. We're a team. We work together. We're not just two people doing our own thing. I'm in the church. He's in his office. No. We are interfacing. We're working. We're planning. We're doing evangelism. We're doing outreach. We're doing, uh, we're doing company evangelism together as a team. Okay? And so we're trying to illustrate that by the way that we do our presentations here. Um, and this is just an example of how this is to happen across the board in the church in all levels. And um, this unity of workers and unity of the work and company evangelism is calculated to reproduce in God's people the character of Christ. We have to learn to work together, put self aside, and put the other person first. So as we talk about unity now, we have two, uh, two statements that we would like to read that are very interesting. They have a very interesting background too. They apply to us that are in this room. The first one is, uh, uh, is found in the Call Porter Evangelists. Those of you who are literature evangelists, this is written for you. You're familiar with this, probably. Let our canvassers know that it is for the advancement of Christ's kingdom that they are laboring. Praise the Lord. He will teach them as they go forth to their God-appointed work to warn the world of a soon-coming judgment. And listen to this. Accompanied by the power of persuasion, the power of prayer, the power of the love of God, the evangelist's work will not, cannot be without fruit. That's a praise to God. It shows the strength of the, the literature evangelist and what his purpose is. And Ellen White spoke directly to the literature evangelist through this work described in the Call Porter Evangelist. 
Isn't that interesting? Now, let's compare that to another passage. But notice the date of when this was published. 1903. Now, the next statement. This one is found in the Ministry of Healing, one that's dear to my heart. And it says, there is a need for coming close to the people by personal effort. Talking service now. Physical service. If less time were given to sermonizing and more time were spent in personal ministry, greater results would be seen. The poor are to be relieved. The sick to be cared for. The sorrowing and bereaved comforted. That's my work, isn't it? The ignorant instructed and the inexperienced counseled. We are to weep with those that weep and rejoice with those that rejoice. Now catch it. Accompanied by the power of persuasion, the power of prayer, and the power of the love of God, this work will not, cannot be without fruit. Do you get that? She's got the same words for both. An interesting observation. Just an interesting observation that the same exact words spoken to one she had in her mind to speak to the other and, and again you notice the date on this 1905 she wrote the first one to the co-porters first and then she used those same words to the medical evangelists second circulating our publications as part of our medic is is definitely a part of our medical missionary work. Just to review a statement we read before, many in Testimony Volume 9, page 33, many of God's people are to go forth with our publications in places where the third angel's message has never been proclaimed. Our books are to be published in many different languages. With these books, humble, faithful men are to go out as co-porter evangelists. Co-porter what? Okay. Not just co-porters, but co-porter evangelists, bearing the truth to those who would otherwise never be enlightened. Those who take up this line of work are to go prepared to do medical missionary work. What is that? The sick and suffering are to be helped. Many of whom this work is mer of mercy is done will hear and accept the words of life. Yes. And so the 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 medical I mean the the cop porter evangelists are to be trained, equipped, and ready to do work for those that are sick and suffering that they meet. And so the medical work, medical missionary work, and the co porter work is to be one work, combining the two together, which takes sacrifice. We cannot be just about doing our own work. We must be in unity. So let's talk to you about just a story. This actually happened in Hayden, Idaho, 2014. Now, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist physician. My practice is made as a medical evangelist outpost. It's the doorstep to the church. I work with Pastor Cablano, who previously was pastoring my church, and now he pastors church plants, two of them at the same time, both in building stages in Spokane, Washington. And I had asked him, please come with me, and the two of us will do an evangelistic program together, experimenting further, because we've been experimenting for several years. 
will spend the summer experimenting with this evangelistic approach of Dr. John Tyndall. He agreed. So I contacted some medical students. Medical students rotate through my office to learn about medical missionary work. And as they did, I found one. And then I talked to her and I said, can you get some people to come up and join us for the summer? And I'll pay you a little bit. I'll pay your way up here and your way home. And then I'll pay you a small stipend, maybe $500 or something like that each. And she said, sure, how many do you want? I said, I want six. The six of them included Debbie Beal, Christy Koch, Michelle Meyer, uh, Vera Ancoba, David Scow, and um, Christy Olson. The six of them were set to come up. Now, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist physician, but I'm a missionary physician that is paid on a pastoral salary. I use that, that opportunity to share with people Christ. And the funds are limited when you're working in ministry. You're always on the edge. And it was about a month before the program was to start, I called, the, I called up Debbie, who was currently in medical school at the time, and I said, Debbie, I, I got, got bad news. She said, what's wrong? I said, uh, I'm afraid we're going to have to cancel our program. Oh, Dr. Turquata, why? I said, the money, the funds that I thought that I had, they've run out. And I've got no other way. I can't pay you to come up, and I can't pay you while you're here. I don't have any funds. And I, I just, I can't do that to you, so I have to cancel. Oh, Dr. Turquato, isn't there another way? I said, I've been trying and trying. I just don't have those funds, and I'm trying, and I don't know what else to do. And she says, well, can we pray about it? Yes, we'll, we can pray about it. Let's talk in a week. So I talked in a week. We looked everywhere we could to find the funds to be able to do this work. I only needed about $4,000. I didn't have it. So finally I called them up and I said, you know, we have to acknowledge the inevitable. We have to cancel our program of evangelism. And Debbie said, you know, Dr. DeQuato, we've been talking together, me and my friends, those people that I mentioned. She said, um, we have decided something. I said, what's that? She said, we're coming anyway. I said, what do you mean you're coming anyway? She said, we're coming anyway. I said, no, no, you don't understand. I not only don't have your stipend, I don't even have a way to pay for you to get up here. She says, we all know that. We understand. We are coming anyway. I said, Deb, you know, you guys are students. You guys have, have, have apartments and tel cell phones and, and cars and insurance and books. And I can't do that to you. Dr. Turquato, if you will have us, we will sacrifice. We are coming anyway. As you will. Okay, we began. Well, the program was seven weeks long. Each of these young people was assigned to four individuals from my office. Each one sought each patient every day for seven weeks. In that period of time, we had programs at the church, and the church programs went like this. The people that came, they had to come. These were not Seventh-day Adventists, and many of them were not Christians. We had also 36 people from the community who also came. And they came and they sat in our church after parking in our parking lot. And the very first thing we did in this medical evangelistic program that we teach about health is we did prayer and praise. So people who are not Seventh-day Adventists and who are not Christians, you want a prayer and praise? You have a prayer and praise? You have a prayer and praise? We went, everybody, co we covered 60 people. At first, the first week, it was difficult. People would say, yeah, maybe not. And I say, prayer, praise, or pass. You can have one of three. We had about one-third of them pass. Before we were finished, everybody had a prayer or a praise, or and nobody passed. And we wrote everyone up on the board. And then we'd have two or three volunteers in the group that would pray. After that, what did we do? Well, like anybody would do in a Seventh-day Adventist church, we took an offering. The purpose of taking an offering is that we as a class believed, 
as they were as we share with them there is health and healing for reaching out to bless other people so we're going to do an anonymous gift of overwhelming abundance in the community and it became the glue that held this group of non seventh day adventist and non christians together and they put in well over a thousand dollars in offering amongst them and not only a thousand dollars of offering but i bet you more than uh, more than a thousand dollars worth of gifts that they came with homemade quilts and and homemade canned goods and the people that we were going to go take care of was a, a man uh, who was demented and his wife who had cancer and she had to leave the home and their their fireplace had been condemned so the local fire department came into our class and said we have a project for you we're so grateful that you people within the Seventh-day Adventist Church, who were not, by the way, Seventh-day Adventists, but who were doing this work together with Seventh-day Adventists. We're so glad that you people are willing to reach out and help these people in the community. And we will take video while we give the gifts that you have. So we gathered these gifts. And then we had a very uh, short uh, health lecture, and then we broke up into a group, uh, into small groups. And each, per, uh, each of the young people took one of the small groups, and they conducted a Sabbath school class on health. That was our, that's our project. In the end, we had people with blood sugars well over 3 and 400. Normal is 100. We had people with 3 and 400 blood sugars who by the time we were finished were like 100 in seven weeks. We had people who lost like 20 pounds. We had people who, who their cholesterol and blood pressure got normalized. Some of the people even came off their medicines in the period of time we had. A, a virtual sanitarium in the homes of the patients by these people. Powerful in lieu of a brick-and-mortar uh, sanitarium. And in the end, we had people who hated Seventh-day Adventists who joined us. They said, I don't like you, Seventh-day Adventists. In the end, they pulled me aside very abruptly and asked, why do you people love us like you do? That was the word. And I'll just tell you the very last thing. There were, after the seven young people left, whenever they had go into the homes, they would always take a church member with them. The church members would rotate. So by the time the, the, the uh, patient came to the church, they had five or six people who had already been in their home that they need the foyer. So this, the young people left after seven weeks. The church members continued the relationship because they had grown accustomed and friends with these people and had been in their homes multiple times. I saw one lady, she was in the back of the church. It had been about six months. She had been coming every Sabbath to church, every Sabbath after the young people left. I saw her in the back. I waved to her to come sit next to me. She came, sat next to me, and we watched a baptism together. And she looked at me. Afterwards, she leaned over. She said, Dr. DeQuato, I have something to tell you. I said, what's that? I think I need to be baptized. And I looked at her, incredulous. I was shocked, wondering, why? Why? Why would you ever be baptized? You don't even know the doctrine. And the words that came out of this woman's mouth speak of Christ's method alone. She said, and I will quote, I know there will be a learning curve, but the way you people have loved me, I know it can't be wrong. I have committed myself to learning about my new church, and I will be baptized. And she did and she was. And as soon as she was baptized, she wanted to go to work immediately as a health evangelist to bring to people Christ the way she had learned it. That was three years ago. 
Remember those six young people? Each one, one, one. That was one of the six that were one. That woman died the day before yesterday. In Christ. She will see Jesus and she will see the face of those who came to give her Christ because they sacrificed in a holistic work in company evangelism. I'd like to share with you a, a very impacting statement next. You know the work, you know how the work started in sacrifice. You know the stories of James and Ellen White, the early pioneers. Notice this. Selected Messages, Volume 2, page 188, 189. There is just as much self-denial required when? Now. now. As when we first started in the work. When we were only a little handful of people. When we knew what self-denial meant. What self-sacrifice meant. When we tried to get out the little papers, little leaflets that should, be, should go to those who were in darkness. There are a few connected with the office today who were with us then. For years we received no wages except barely enough to finish us with the plainest food and clothing. We were glad to wear second-hand clothes, and sometimes we had hardly food enough to sustain our strength. Everything else was put into the work. After a time, my husband received $6 a week, and we lived on that, and I worked with him in the cause. Others labored in similar way. Those who have come in to take up the work after it has been made a success, should walk very modestly. They should manifest the spirit of self-sacrifice. God means that the institutions here should be carried on by self-sacrifice, just as the foundation was laid. Amen. Folks, that's powerful. That's a statement that has rung in my ears. So we want to present to you a couple more statements from the Spirit of Prophecy that support the, the bold statement that we made that the Holy Spirit will not fall until the latter rain. Uh, uh, the Holy Spirit will not fall, fall in the form of the latter rain until the gospel work and the medical work are combined in one. And uh, this is our definition of company evangelism for the cities. We want to show not only the, the validity, but also the importance of the bold statement that we just made. The whole issue is the type of character that God wants to display to the world. Amen. That he wants to develop in us. Notice. Christ's object lessons 68-69. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. That's, 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 that's character. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. This fruit can, can never perish, but will produce after its kind a harvest unto eternal life. When the fruit is brought forth, and what fruit is it being referred to? The fruit of the Spirit. When the fruit of the Spirit is brought forth, that, that, that character is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle because the harvest has come. So what has to happen before the sickle, before the harvest? The fruit of the Spirit has to be 
and displayed in God's people. Christ is waiting. Now notice this next. Christ is waiting with longing desire for the manifestation of himself in his church. When the character of Christ shall be perfectly reproduced in his people, then, then he will come and claim them as his own. It is the privilege of every Christian not only to look for, but to hasten the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We all who profess his name bearing fruit, pardon me, we're all who professing his name bearing fruit to the glory of God. How quickly the whole world would be sown with the seed of the gospel. Quickly the last great harvest would be ripened and Christ would come together his precious grain. That character is what medical missionary work is designed to produce in his people. That's why it has to be connected with the proclamation of the gospel. The gospel has to be demonstrated as well as proclaimed. We're talking about I share in the sacrifice. I share in the sacrifice. In Review of Herald, this statement helps to direct us a bit. There are many who possess an empty benevolence. That is benevolence, but there's emptiness in it. Who make no retrenchments. They practice no self-denial or no self-sacrifice. Remember the widow in her might, her two mites? She came in and she gave her mites. Jesus said she has given more than they all. These people made no retrenchments, really. No self-sacrifice. They leave that for someone else to do. But God calls for men who, through faith and prayer, will give themselves to the work. Not just their stuff, but themselves. Who will study, plan, and unite with their plans self-denial and self Sacrifice. An essential element of ministry is sacrifice. Without it, ministry will not move forward in the character of Christ. If we try to plan a, a non-sacrificial ministry that doesn't put us out requiring some kind of retrenchment, we will not see the glory of God reproduced through the character of his people. This is the only kind of liberality that is after the order of Christ and which will redound in the honor and the glory of God. Until this benevolence is brought into active exercise, God's blessing cannot come upon his people. I wondered what I was missing out for so long. I wondered what I was missing. I was working so hard. But I found it empty. No, no souls won for the truth. That is why you literature evangelists are so powerful because you've given a sacrifice in the summer. You've worked sacrificially door to door, going through crazy stuff. And yet the Lord has blessed you and honored you with the work. You stand out as an icon to God's people. Unless this kind 
unless this benevolence is brought into the active exercise, God's blessing cannot come upon his people in its fullness and its power. That is the latter rain. Every truly converted soul will be intensely desirous to bring others from the darkness of error into the marvelous light of the righteousness of Christ. The great outpouring of the Spirit of God, which lightens the whole earth with his glory, will not come. What is that? Will not come. Until we have an enlightened people that know by experience what it means to be laborers together with God. That is with sacrifice. When we have entire, wholehearted consecration to the service of Christ, Christ will recognize the fact by an outpouring of his spirit without measure, the latter rain. But this will not be while the largest portion of the church are not laborers together with God. God cannot pour out his spirit with, when selfishness and self-indulgence are so manifest when the Spirit prevails, that, if put into words, would express the answer of Cain. Am I my brother's keeper? One more very uh, impacting statement in, found in the Home Missionary, November 1, 1890. And by the way, we, we're preaching to ourselves. Amen. Okay. It is through the church that the self-sacrificing love of Jesus is to be manifest to the world. But by the present example of the church, the character of Christ is what? Misrepresented. And a false conception of him is given to the world. Self-love excludes the love of Jesus from the soul. And this is why there is not in the church greater zeal and more fervent love for him who first loved us. Self is supreme in so many hearts. Their thoughts, their time, their money are given to self-gratification, while souls for whom Christ died are perishing. This is why the Lord cannot impart his church, to his church the fullness of his blessing. Do you see now why we say that until the medical missionary work is combined with the gospel work, that the Holy Spirit will not be poured out in, in power? You see, to honor them in a distinguished manner before the world would be to put his seal upon their works, confirming their false representation of his character. When the church shall come out from the world and be separated from its maxims, habits, and practices, the Lord Jesus will work with his people. He will pour a large measure of his spirit upon them. And the world will know that the Father loves them. Will the people of God continue to be so stupefied with selfishness? His blessing hangs over them. But it cannot be bestowed in its fullness. Because they are so corrupted with the spirit and practice of the world. There's a spiritual pride among them. And should the Lord work as his heart longs to do? You know, we've been, we've been praying for the latter rain for how many years? You know, should the work, should the Lord work as his heart longs to do, it would but confirm them in their self-esteem 
and self-exaltation. Shall Christ continue to be misrepresented by our people? Shall the grace of God, the divine enlightenment, be shut away from his church because of their lukewarmness? They will be unless there is most thorough seeking of God. Renunciation of the world and humbling of the soul before God. The converting power of God must pass through our churches. Now the next sentence, folks, there's no, no dot, dot, dot after that. It's the very next sentence in this, in this uh, message. This next sentence is a very popular one. It's a, it's, a, it's a sentence that we probably all know by heart. But now you know the context of that sentence. A revival of true godliness among us is the greatest and most urgent of all our needs. So until we have this demonstration of a selfless, sacrificial gospel as a people, we will not see the latter reign in its fullness. Now, literature evangelism is not known as a lucrative work, but it is a sacrificial work. And it's an essential work to company evangelism. So the challenging vision that we have been given by Mrs. White from 1910 says that we are to work the cities and that we are to do this in a with a decided change of past methods of working. What is that change? Company evangelism. Companies are to be organized and diligently trained to labor in our important cities. In 1910, we were doing medical work, evangelist, public, public evangelism, literature evangelism, beneficent work, but we were not doing it as a combined company evangelism. And that is until the man named John Tyndall came along and was willing to follow in obedience the vision of Mrs. White. And she gave him this vision and told him to run with it. The reality is, combining the work into one work requires sacrifice on the part of all because it is what brings us into unity and helps us to develop the character of Christ. Dear Father in Heaven, as we open up uh, the, uh, these opportunities that we are both learning about and practicing, we pray that you will bless us. Give us, Lord, your wisdom, the discernment we need to serve you in the way that's acceptable to you, and receive our service as sacrifice and worship. We love you, Jesus, and we commit ourselves to you. Speak the words you wish today, through us, we ask in your name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.